Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, coming to you today from the left side of your dial. Today is episode 25, where we review Wicked Women, um, film number 84, Film 15 of 16 in the uh, Jess Franco, Erwin C. Dietrich connection. Wicked Women, Swiss DVD title, Switzerland 1977 production. Uh, original theatrical title in country of origin, Frauen on Unschuld, Women Without Innocence. Uh, some alternative titles for this is um, the Italian theatrical title, Insatiable Nights of a Nymphomaniac. Insatiabile noti di una nin forman. Finnish theatrical, Neist Ilman Hapia, Shameless Women. The Netherlands video title, Hit Hus Durmank Zik Vroen, Netherlands video, House of Nymphomaniacs. That's interesting. Uh, they're just really trying to sell it, even they probably didn't see the film. Um, Wicked Women, Das Haus und Mann Stolen Frauen, the Swiss Blu-ray cover. Uh, Women Without Innocence, 1978 trade title report in Variety. Uh, Women Without Innocence, okay, so they used that as the uh, Swiss original title. Okay, interesting. So yeah, uh, and then Virginti, title on the actress contracts from Elite Films. Okay, of course, uh, once again... Referencing Stephen Thrower's Flowers of Perversion on sale at Amazon.com. Um, production company, of course, being a Dietrich film. This is Elite Film from Zurich. Uh, theatrical distributor is Ava's Film Verluck. Um, okay, shooting dates on this. Basically, they shot this from September 26th to October 4th of 1977. Uh, it premiered in February 9th of '78. About four months later. Wow, it's a quick from shooting to turnaround. Um, Switzerland it played, premiered in Biel Bion on March 31st, 1978. Uh, then Genova, Italy in December 17th of 1979. And Rome, June 3rd of 1981. Uh, theatrical running time, Germany, 76, 36. 76 minutes, 36 seconds. Uh, Blu-ray running time, as caught Elite Edition, is uh, 80 minutes, 12 seconds. Uh, director, of course, is Mr. Jess Franco. Uh, producer, Erwin C. Dietrich. Script, Erwin C. Dietrich. Erwin C. Dietrich. Again, as Manfred Greger. Uh, set construction, Walter Kalin. Lighting, Edgar Reiser. Director of photography, Peter Baumgartner. Uh, let's see, music, Walter Baumgartner, of course. Uh, let's see, an Elite Film Production. Cast Lena Romay as Margarita Martin, Michael Mayen as Dr. Antonio, Nadia Van Bergen as Irina Farkas, Dr. Farkas's wife. Credited on Italian poster only as Dagmar Berger as Peggy, the kleptomaniac patient, and then, of course, Esther Studer as Petra, the second quote unquote murder victim. Credited on German video cover only is Monica Swim as Sandra Marau. Uncredited um, is Kurt Meinecke, Kurt Meinecke as Dr. E. Fargus, psychiatrist. Uh, Peggy Markoff as Amelia, the opera singing patient. 
Uh, Peter Baumgartner plays Inspector Risi. So, yeah, you get to see the um, director of photography on here in an acting role. Uh, almost as Jess Franco's stand-in, I think, for this film. Because there's no Franco on screen. Uh, Bridget Meyer as Gabby, the blonde sex addict patient. And finally, Lyfre as Nurse Helga. We watched this on the uh, Ascot Elite Blu-ray. Uh, that's the edition, because it was not released as part of the Full Moon collection. So uh, this is one of the films, if you bought that Franco 10 DVD set, uh, this is the only way to really see that come through there. All right, for the review of this, he basically has a... Um, be kind of short on this episode, actually. Um, he has it as basically... Uh, it's a decent story which imports Franco's women in prison motifs into the corrupt lunatic asylum subgenre beloved of American exploitation like Don't Look in the Basement, Asylum of Satan, uh, Human Experiments, or Fifth Floor. Where the overall tone of voodoo passion was luxuriant and camp, the atmosphere and wicked women is languid and mysterious, although the mood is perhaps weakened by a few too many soft-core sex interludes. Nevertheless, it's an attractive and enjoyable film that deserves more attention from Franco aficionados. It's also pretty funny at times with some choice snippets of dialogue. They're all as dumb as a box of hair. Or, isn't it crazy? I was so afraid of you, and now you're going to give me the fuck of my life. Helping to keep you engaged, even as the plot stays in second gear. Although she doesn't speak an intelligible word for two-thirds of the film, Lena Romay is genuinely sympathetic as the terrified and confused Margarita. Sporting an androgynous haircut and looking all the prettier, she, her vulnerability and sympathetic performance is the chief focus of the story. It's a relatively chasse part for her, with little in the way of explicit sexual activity or nudity. One startling vaginal close-up ex accepted. And the fact that we care about the character is down to Romay's natural ability, clothed or unclothed, to communicate with the camera. Margarita's frightening experiences at the clinic provide the film's standout scenes, beginning with an atmospheric sequence in which she wanders through the asylum garden and finds a mysterious stairway leading to a building whose empty white-walled rooms reverberate with dreamlike menace. Franco creates a wonderfully ominous sense here of the heroine sleepwalking helplessly into danger, while Baumgartner's music underscores the dreaminess of the scene. Nurse Helga, played by an unnamed actress who looks annoyingly similar to fellow cast member Esther Studer but isn't, follows Margarita inside and is suddenly pounced upon by a caped male figure who ravishes and then stabs her. Fainting with shock as she witnesses the attack, Margarita revives to find Helga hanging by the neck from the ceiling. The whole sequence would be out of place in the whole sequence would not be out of place in the Italian giallo films of Sergio Martino or Umberto Lindsay. Franco, however, is unmistakably in the driving seat. After Margarita faints for the second time, the next shot is an explicit close-up of Lena Romay's vaginal lips, closing after an intimate examination by Dr. Fargust. She has been raped, he announces, to which his bitchy wife, Irina, adds, So what? Maybe it's the exact remedy she needed. Ladies and gentlemen, Jess Franco has not left the building. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to that earlier thing about the uh, Nurse Helga, played by an unnamed actress who looks annoyingly similar to fellow cast member Esther Studer, but isn't. Yeah, I was watching that, and I was confused as well. And then later on in the film, you see them stand side by side, and then you realize, oh shit, yeah, she looks very similar, and I thought it was her. And then I was like, no, wait, that's not her. But yeah, very similar, similar face, hair, body, everything, same age, weight, range, and everything. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Um 
Uh, let's see. Amid the usual suspects in Dietrich's cast, Nadia von Bergen is striking and amusing, although she's giving less to do here than her over-the-top role in Love Camp. She's amazing to look at, though, leading, lending dramatic emphasis with her bone structure alone. Monica Swim, following her appearance in Love Camp a couple of months earlier, also stands out as a welcome visitor from the true Franco family. Here she plays Sandra, a bisexual drug smuggler who ensnares Lisa Lena remains ingenue in a smuggling racket. The chief area of interest is Sandra's collapse into alcoholic bitterness and jealousy. The fact that Swim plays these scenes so well helps to ameliorate the lack of groundwork in the script for her switch from seductress to weeping harridan. One minute she's encouraging Margarita to make out with her husband. The next thing she's hurtling drunken abuse at the two of them. We can tell the love affair was meant to be faked and that Sandra is now paranoid that it's turned into the real thing for her husband, but a couple of extra scenes are needed to sell the switch effectively. Indeed, it's the scripting which lets the side down overall. Fraun und Unschild is meant to be a thriller, but there's very little intrigue in the dialogue. There's not a lot to say about the scheming characters, despite the simple fact that they're scheming. Uh, perhaps if we dig a little deeper into the biographical circumstances of Fro- Franco and Romé at the time, we might see the character played by Monica Swim as an arm's-length surrogate for Romé's recently divorced husband, Ramon Ardit. Somehow, or someone who encourages the spouse to get intimate with another person, but then collapses into jealous anger when the relationship begins to blossom. If so, the metaphor breaks down very quickly. It's hardly feasible to read Jess Franco in the ingenue role. Uh, let's see, cast and crew. A good-looking Michael Mayen, who plays the key role of Dr. Antonio, was an interesting figure in German popular culture, having essayed both a pop career and a mainstream acting career in the mid to late 1960s before venturing into sexploitation. He's in the 1968 version of Erwin C. Dietrich's Die Nachten der Frauen Oberst, a film which Dietrich later remade in 1980. He went on to appear in a slew of sex comedies, including Hotch... <laughs> well, his titles. Uh, Wedding Night Report, Hubert Frank, nineteen seventy-two, playing the lead among, playing the lead with Virgin Among the Living Dead's Christina von Blanc as his bride. He's quite unabashed by nudity, which makes him a pleasing fit for Franco's films. Look out too for Peter Baumgartner, a regular DP on the Franco Dietrich films, who plays nice guy Inspector Risi. Baumgartner's other screen appearances are rare, but you can see him at the bowling alley enjoying a few frames with director Erwin Dietrich himself in. Uh, tempting Roommates, 1974. Just prior to Frauen und Unschelt, Romé received her divorce papers. Her marriage to Ramon Ardid was officially over. To mark the occasion, she cut her hair very short for the film. Uh, the majority music. The majority of Walter Baumgartner's music for Frauen und Unschelt is taken from Die Neigten der Frau Ups, 1968, Dietrich's second movie as director, but at least it wasn't used in the other Franco films. There's a catchy and amusing sax line for the main theme, with some skillful variations of its melody elsewhere, including a version for acoustic guitar that complements the limpid beauty of Lake Magagore scenes from time to time. Music from Jack the Ripper reoccurs, for instance, the scenes in the disgust and the disused annex where Margarita sees another patient murdered, indicating that Franco was aiming for something closer to a horror film than a sex film at the time. Locations. Frauen und Unschelt was shot at various beauty spots on either side of the border between Switzerland and Italy. 
principal location is Lake Magore, which stretches for 65 kilometers between the Italian regions of Piedmont and Lombardy and the Swiss canton of Ticino. The restaurant by the jetty, where Margarita first meets Sandra, is in the Italian town of Canobio on the banks of Lake Magore. It's now called the Cafe Sport. The Church of Santorio della Pieta can be seen in the background. Carlo's house is in the Lugano, a Swiss town near the border where, with Italy overlooking nearby Lake Lugano from the north bank. The, chi, the country railway station where Margarita meets up with Sandra and her husband is in the Swiss town of Tegna, a few miles inland from the northern end of Lake Magori. The final shots of dwellings on the banks of Lake Magori were photographed not far from Tegna in the Swiss lakeside town of Escona. The clinical dormitory scenes were filmed at the same indoor locations as the prison interiors from Love Camp, and the over-the-top mirrored bathroom from Voodoo Passion once again makes a makes for some pleasing eye candy. Although someone has removed the giant ceramic leopard this time, which is a shame. Connection. For another Franco film about an incarcerated young woman being hassled by her captors for information about missing jewels, see Women Behind Bars, 1975. Uh, other versions. No variant versions of this film exists, and it appears to have been an uncontroversial title with regard to censorship. In fact, with just a single trim, the aforementioned Pussy Lips, it could have easily played in the UK, so the fact it was never submitted perhaps means that Dietrich had probably grown tired of the prevailing censorship fuss around Franco's films and decided to give UK distributors the cold shoulder. All right, so uh, yeah, that gives uh, that wraps up that part of the uh, um, information from the Flowers of Perversion, Volume Two by Stephen Thrower. Um, so yeah, let's see uh, if we have a trailer. I think I do. That'll be in there. Um, yeah, actually, I'm almost sure. I'm almost sure I do. I think. Uh, so yeah, that'll be in there, and then uh, you'll hear the review always. Oh yeah, too. Um, we always have new listeners and stuff. So if this is your first time listening to the show. Basically, what we do is uh, I always start off with about 20 minutes to half hour of kind of going through the book, the information, doing the research, and talking about key things in the book um, about the film. And then we do usually the trailer, and then we do uh, the film review portion, which ranges from anywhere from 35 minutes to hour or two sometimes, uh, usually about an hour and a half or at the most, you know. And then we have a song usually at the end. This is a recent thing. Uh, we'll keep adding new elements as the series goes along. So, um, yeah, this is going to wrap up this portion, this segment of episode 25. Always and forever, the mission statement is praise and in memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears, which we do that. So, once again, please download this episode. Uh, it increases the numbers and the audience. Please rate and share on your favorite platforms. Um, subscribe, of course, subscribe. Every subscription helps and builds the numbers, all that good shit. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, if you want to write us an email, anything like that, you can at uh, francoobserver at yahoo.com. That's uh, F-R-A-N-C-O-O-B-S-E-R-V-E-R at yahoo.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. We have an Instagram page, Franco Observer Podcast, and a Facebook page at Franco Observer Podcast. We always put up um, when the shows drop. 
which of course are Wednesdays, Wednesday mornings, hump days. So always a lot of humping and Franco films, like I say. So that was my choice. Um, and it's a good midweek fun thing. Something to look forward to halfway through, hopefully. But if you subscribe, then I know you probably look forward to it because why else would you subscribe? Um, let's see. So yeah, let's see. We got Instagram. We got the Facebook page. Got all the pictures, all that good stuff. That's the end of me yapping on this one. So thank you again for listening to episode 25. And uh, see you next on episode 26. But stick around first for the rest of this episode. Frauen ohne Unschuld. der Mörder. Ein Irrer, ein Sadist. Nein. Du weißt, wer der Mörder ist. Nein. Nein. Frauen ohne Unschuld. Wie mit dem Hals Maulbeetschwester. Oremus, allmächtige Jungfrau, Herr mein Flehen. Ich will mit ihm ins Bett gehen. Emilia, Sie ziehen sich sofort wieder an. Es ist ein Skandal. Du musst sie zum Sprechen bringen, Farkas. Sonst schnappt Antonio uns die Diamanten weg. Du wirst sprechen, sonst... Frauen ohne Unschuld. Hab keine Angst. Ich tu dir nichts. Bitte, bitte! Naja, er bringt sie um. Du glaubst im Ernst? Psst, der ist nämlich ein Vampir. Vergib ihnen, denn sie wissen nicht... Wer ist der Mörder? Und die Diamanten? Das haben die Maurus mir nicht gesagt. Und am nächsten Morgen waren sie ermordet. Hör auf zu trinken, Sandra, du verträgst es nicht. Es geht nicht einen Dreck, noch ich saufe. Und wenn die nicht verschwindet, schlage ich dir die Knochen kaputt. Es ist besser, wenn du jetzt gehst. In diesem Zustand ist sie nicht mehr zurechnungsfähig. Frauen ohne Unschuld. Die ist wieder mal voll auf dem Orgasmus drin. Das ist sie nicht mehr zurechnungsfähig. Und Sie? Wo waren Sie heute Nacht? Ich kann ohne Sie nicht schlafen. Die Schwester hat mir gesagt, Sie haben geschlafen wie ein Murmeltier. Du Schwein! Du warst heute Nacht! Verzeihung, Sie sind Inspektor Risi. Ja? Irina Farkasch. Ja, Sie sind das. Ja, also ich glaube, ich weiß, wer der Mörder ist. Margarita! Nein! Nein! Hilfe! Hilfe! Nein! Helga! Helga! Um Gottes Willen, Helga! Mörder! Jetzt fahren wir wohl zur nächsten Leiche, Herr Doktor. Also was ist? Ist er der Mörder? Nein? Ich würde sagen, nein. Wer ist der Mörder? Und du hilfst diesem Kerl noch? Wer war's? Raus damit! Eine Frau? Wie kommen Sie darauf? Das dürfte ein Irrtum sein, liebste Freundin. Oder glauben Sie, ich wäre es gewesen? Na dann nicht. Wer ist der Mörder? Der Mörder hat dich nur verschont, weil du wusstest, wo die Diamanten sind. Jetzt weiß ich es. Du schweigst! Hast du gehört? Wollust, Zärtlichkeit, nackte Gewalt, Frauen ohne Unschuld. Hey, buddies! Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, I am your host from Desperate Visions Productions, Jason Rudy. 
And I'm joined once again today by my friend and co-host, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey! Hey! So, uh, uh, this is uh, big episode 25, 25 down, and maybe another 150 to go, something like that. Uh, today, you get there. Uh, and sometimes it's a journey, and sometimes it's a trip. Uh, I think today was a trip, you know. Uh, the journey really wasn't there, but... You know, it's a still trip we had to take, and we took a trip to go see Wicked Women. And usually taking a trip to see Wicked Women is usually a good thing. But uh, in this case, I'm not sure. We're still kind of undecided. Uh, this is film 84, uh, film 15 of 16 in the Dietrich Connection wow. collection. So we got one more left. Oh. So and that's going to end that journey of the Dietrich film. So we'll be losing uh, Esther Studer. We'll be losing... Uh, uh, got so many people you know, I, just, I don't you know. know why all of a sudden in my head i just heard bom, bom, bom. yeah bom, bom, bom. i know <laughs> martine steedle oh. more martine r.i.p no more esther Mosier, esther studer r.i.p no more walter baumgartner oh r.i.p no more eric falk no <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all the uh, baumgartner films so but, uh, yeah, but we're going to be going back in time to joining up again after Count Dracula and where we started this off at number one. So that's kind of cool. So next week, though, is uh, still uh, Women in Cell Block uh, 9, I think it is, is uh, the next one. Here, let me get it for sure. I'm probably being stupid. Yeah, uh, Women in Cell Block 9 is going to be episode 26, and that is going to be the end of the line in Cell Block 9. So, but, yeah, so then 27, we'll jump back in again. Um, but, uh yeah, so anyway, but this is episode 25, and uh, we watched Wicked Women, um, which was shot very beautiful. I mean, I always want to be positive. Uh, the synopsis is really short, which kind of is fitting with this film. So uh, let me get to reading on this and tell you all about it. Um, found traumatized and smeared with blood at a house where a couple of diamond smugglers have been brutally slain. A beautiful young woman called Margarita is admitted to the Swiss Mental Asylum. Whatever she had seen or done, she is now mute, unable to communicate except for cries and moans of distress. Dr. Fargus and his wife Irina, along with their handsome and popular associate, Dr. Antonio, probe, seduce, and cajole Margarita in an attempt to restore her powers of speech. But are the staff really interested in her psychological well-being, or are they more interested in the report of hidden diamonds supposedly belonging in to the dead couple? And who is murdering the other patients? Yeah, so even the uh, synopsis was kind of disjointed. So, Eric, what did you think about the film? I... Uh- it wasn't a stellar avocado. It was a it was a good avocado, but it was not a stellar avocado. Okay, and what makes a stellar avocado? Ah, perfect ripeness. Um. <laughs> well, we had some stellar avocados on screen. <laughs> That's true. Le- Lena had a, it was the return of Lena. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It had it had its moments. It had shots that were beautiful. It had um, really like some some really beautiful shots, like in most of his movies. Um, I was confused in the beginning, so it was kind of hard for me to uh, to follow a little bit. Um, yeah, like you said, disjointed. It, it kind of was a little bit disjointed. Um, I mean, it was held together by beautiful shots and beautiful women and 
that was that was what yeah. kept me in. It's like the locations of this were just so effing beautiful. Yes, yeah. so like just screamed just. Uh, so many beautiful shots, exterior, ex- cor- of course, the exterior shots. Um, there's some cool, cool in- interior shots too. Some of the um, stuff you did with the uh, with the camera and stuff, catching the um, different lens flares and that, which looked really yeah. cool. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. Um, tell us about Brigitte Meyer. Oh my god, dude, she's so beautiful. She's so perfect. She's so beautiful. Yeah, she's somebody that just kind of came 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 aboard and. Uh, just suddenly out of nowhere in, in, oh. this, in this last series of films. Oh, seriously! Oh my God, she's gorgeous. She she reminds me a lot of Martine, uh, but yeah. just she's just beautiful. Her and Lena. Oh my gosh, Esther. Oh my gosh, like this this movie had so many people in it that we were just like, this is going to be awesome. Like we were like yeah. really excited about it, and yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why we weren't we're not as high on it because maybe we had such a like a almost a we were already thinking that it was going to come out at a certain level, you know? And yeah. Cause you have, uh, Lena Romay, you have Nanda Von Bergen, of course, training from love camp. You got, uh, Dagmar Berger is always a bit player. You got, of course, Esther Studer, Monica swim. You had Peggy Markoff, you had Brigitte Meyer. And it's just like all that are like, Holy shit. Those are like a lot of people that can headline a lot of Franco films and they're all together and it's good setting. And it, and they're all, but then I don't know. I just, well, like, like when I was watching it, it seemed like it was a mix of a few films. Like it was uh, a repeat, a lot of uh, the uh, the girls' beds from Women Behind Bars and like uh, Ninety Nine Women and um, uh, Barbara Dolls and uh, Women Behind Bars, excuse me, and like Slaves and that. Where you see a lot of the same repeat of things, and then uh, Elsa and that, and then you go into um, those whole sequences were very repeated, a lot of the same thing, and then you had the angle of people trying to sneak about and getting things a couple. So that was like voodoo passion, um, like, um, satanic sisters and like some of that same things going on. And then, uh, you said some, some of the same routine, but then when they went to the flashback, those were the sequences I enjoyed the best because it felt like a different movie with, um, um, Monica swim and her husband and, uh, Lena's character, Margarita, when they were first met up as the diamond smugglers and that, and the threesome they had on the boat and all that stuff that I enjoyed the most actually. That was beautiful. The way that was shot was gorgeous. Yeah. It was really, really nice. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, but yeah, so like one of the positive things, um, this film, like in the first 35 seconds, like it almost knocks off half the Franco. (laughs) And Eric Robart goes, man, this film like covers everything on the list, like right away. Yeah. So I think like, let's like jump in that list and get that out of the way. So like, 35 seconds in, you have number one, body of water, boom. Number two, sailboat, boom. Boom. Number three, boats, boom. Boom. Number four, palm trees right out front of the the kind of castle. Yeah, the uh, couple's house. Hotel asylum, yeah, the couple's house. That jungle sound effects right off the front. Right off the back. Okay, so those first five. Chained up person, uh, we had later on, um, that was, uh, who was that again? That was... The woman, their arms above. Yeah, she was killed, and so yeah. she was left hanging. Oh yeah, that's true. That was yeah. That was well. You had Esther Stewart's like body that was hanging from the yeah. noose, but then there was also a. I thought there was someone that was tied up in the. Oh, maybe not. Okay. No, there was, there was something. She had her hands tied up above her head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay, dance scenes on stage stripping. There were naked girls dancing, but technically not stripping. No. 
but there was dancing and club scenes, um, not a club scene, but a dance scene where they're all dancing as couples together. I would say that it was kind of seem set up as a club would have been, but it was yeah, just inside an insane right because they didn't leave to go off off premise. Yeah. So uh, number nine, jazz music, most definitely. Yep. Um, number ten, excessive zooms. There was a few times, nothing too crazy. Number eleven, out of focus shots. Yeah, <laughs> in the beginning, there's like two or three right away, but then like I was trying to tell Eric that I thought maybe it was because Lena's kind of out of focus where she. Because they find her and she's very mentally unstable, so the when the ambulance pulls up, it's out of focus. But it seems like Franco, a lot of times when he's out of focus on his shots, they're usually exterior shots when a vehicle pulls up. So I wonder if that's just something he has a problem with or yeah. if that means something. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, number 12, mirror shots. There's quite a few quite mirror a few. shots on this. These are a lot of the mirrors uh, scenes from um, Vo- um, Voodoo Passion and Sexy Sisters, the, the rooms and that. Um Let's see, a mind control theme. Yeah, definitely, because Lena has her mind and it's snapped and she's trying to get herself normal again so she can yeah. remember what happened to her. So, And, and they're like trying to manipulate her into right. like, you totally. know, letting, her, letting and, them know what she knows. And, and they're creating false things to think of her to see like yeah. people getting murdered so that's not happening to try to like control her. So that's true. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. Not from Lena, not but from Le- yeah, Esther. Yeah, Esther Studer, definitely. She... Uh, She's so gentle with nipples. Yeah, she. <laughs> yeah, her or with Alina and with the other gal out. Yeah, your favorite Brigitte Meyer. She oh. she has to like get the men shape, and she like smokes a joint and like does that Afghanistan. Yeah. She says really expensive shit. It's pretty yeah. funny. Um, but yeah, no. So you have Esther's magic tongue in this. Uh, number fifteen, red light. I don't think so. Actually, really that's the only thing I didn't see. Yeah, yeah that's the one. Um, so, but number sixteen, my favorite, the sheepskin rug, was definitely uh, shown. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was on the floor, and uh, I think it was. Uh, was it the diamond smuggler's house, or was it? Uh, I think so. I think it was in the room. Yeah, because it was on yeah. somebody's room under the bed, right in front. And I saw yeah. it. I started laughing. Or, or, uh, or the doctor. Couple. Yeah, I think it was the doctor, yeah. uh, Monica Perkins, and then uh, her doctor she's with. Uh, masturbate with the sea item. No, but. Um, Dagmar Berger sneaks a pin and pulls a pin out of her vagina, and Eric said, "Well, it's a clicky pin." <laughs> so I don't know if that's a C. The ones that you click to turn. Yeah, or maybe it's a C point pin. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Maybe like at, like later on, I'll like wake up and be like, "Oh, it's a blank," and then I'll know what the C item is. But yeah, it's I'll be like, "That's what I should have said," you know. It's a cold pin. See, no cold pin. Yeah, there yeah, you cold, go. A very cold pin. Well, it shouldn't be cold if it comes out of her. But, um, but yeah, and then also too, um, uh, Monica Swim has a scene where she's uh, kind of um, hugging a lobster naked, and Eric said, "Please use the claw." Use the claw. <laughs> Please use the claw. <laughs> so it's a sea item, but she didn't do it, so that didn't count. Seventeen mad scientists. Well, there are kind of mad doctors, and uh, kind of you know going out of their prescribed method of, yeah. of helping people and stuff so I don't know maybe it's partial uh, 18 fish tank shots no fish tank no shots fish in this tank. I didn't recognize yeah. and number 19 last but not least talking parrot no no talking parrot a lot yeah. of bird sounds but no Uncle Jess no Uncle Jess in this either yeah. but uh, you had um, I, I called it uh, Peter Baumgartner's in the film as one of the inspectors and he kind of looks like he's uh, Jess Franco's standing in this yeah. he's got the same bad mustache and, and fashion and such um, so yeah, you had, uh, oh, what's cool too is, uh, there was also, uh, 
the reusing of things, and Baumgartner always uses on this. <clears throat> they used, again, the cat picture posters from se- uh, Satanic Sisters, Sexy Sisters, uh, in the doctor's office, which was kind of funny because we were laughing. We're like, wow, that's those black and white cat posters. I don't know if they'd be in a doctor's office. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the dance scene. And one thing I liked is uh, on the prisoners or the patients, they had numbers on their smocks, like uh, 99 Women and uh, I believe um, uh, Elsa and a few of the other ones. They were, they're just numbers. They have those. Um, and once again, Franco has the... Uh, medical shirt and no underwear which was a thing and also too we were laughing because all the girls were sleeping naked and had the covers off and we're like wow it must be really hot in that uh, yeah in that girl's thing because it's just everybody's just totally unnaked just like there's there. sheets on the bed but not on a single person no they're just pulled off to the side because yeah. it's just they just have to you know which is kind of funny which is um, amazing yeah i, I appreciate it. I, yeah i don't want them shivering underneath blankets for sure it's, no thank you, you know, senor franco exactly turning up the <laughs> heater bill i'm sure was very high on that film um yeah so and but there's some really nice shots and there's there's a cool uh shot he pulled off with a reflection in the eye of lena that was really, yeah, really nice that um, was cool he showed her a close-up of her eye a few times and close-up of her other eye later on and to see if she was raped, that was pretty excessive scene. Yeah, she should have closed up her vagina and then like closed it, you know, like opened her lips and then closed them. So yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> Opening of the eye, closing of the eye. So um, there's also some really nice lighting. Um, there's a scene uh, that I liked when Lena's in the uh, dorm room with the other women, and they all uh, kind of invite themselves over to her bed and start uh, um, making love to her. And one of the other women laying in the cot listens and starts masturbating, but there's like uh, streams of light, light shades across her, which were really nice, the light, light stripes, and uh, visually it looked really, really nice, and that was kind of a nice touch for that, you know. Um, yeah, and then I have tied up here, so I guess somebody was tied up. Um, yeah, yeah, the girl had her, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, sheep, of course, sheepskin rug, um, pin out of the pussy, of course. Um, one thing that was so funny, um, the scene where... Esther Studer uh, is trying to seduce Lena Romay. She goes and she sits on the bed next to her and she takes out a joint and she's getting ready to light it. And when she lights her lighter, they turn on a stage light and shine it on her because that's supposed to be the light from the lighter. And then when she lights her joint and turns the sig- and turns off the lighter, that light goes off and it's just so apparent. It's yeah. almost like a bad 70s TV thing where they would get up to turn to turn on the light of something and the whole thing would just light up just <laughs> totally doesn't fit it's so funny but yeah that was the one thing i was laughing about it's like oh my god it looks so bad um yeah lena was number nine in this and uh i was looking up the different stuff and uh in 99 women monica rome was number 99 which wasn't nine and then uh, but dagmar Berger in elsa is number nine and lena's number and this is number nine and the very end when the doctor asks Lena, he goes, oh, how, how old are you in this? And she says, I'm 24. Um, I'm curious. I'll have to look up her age and see. I wonder if that was about her age at this mm-hmm. time. Um, and what's cool in this, Lena has really short hair because this is right as she was going through a divorce with Ramon Ardid. So she cut off all of her hair to start anew. And uh, I think it's a good look for her in this. She's very, very attractive in this film. She uh, And she's acts. I was telling Eric when I was watching, it's like, you know what I said? She's really underrated as an actress because if you watch this film, she's really puts on a really good acting performance oh, in yeah. this film. Like she, the way she acts when she's so confused and doesn't know what's going on, and she's mute and everything. Those whole sequences, she's really, really strong. And 
I mean, it, it easily could be in a regular Hollywood like mainstream film and get awards for like her performance because I I think she's really solid in this and like she's been rated down the line lesser because of the pornography and different stuff she did so people kind of look down on her and for some of the other schlocky films and that the lesser stuff Franco did later on but but yeah no it's 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 a really a shame because there's a lot of stuff that she's really strong and not just her attitude and stuff but her actual acting skills and and how she throws herself into it and really is really really good you know especially this film yeah she throws herself completely into the part like she leaves everything on the table like uh in the beginning like when they're trying to catch her like when they find the the two dead people and they're trying to they see her with blood and they're trying to grab a hold of her they're struggling like they're grabbing her and she's fighting back like you know and it's you kind of see it on her like she had a huge ass bruise on her knee like, yeah, she has a big bruise on her left knee on this film. Yeah, and so it's you're almost a certain, I guess, probably from one of these parts, you know, because she doesn't hold back. She, yeah, she just doesn't hold back. And, yeah, she's super good. Super yeah, good. they shot this uh, September 26th, October 4th, 77. And you know what? Just, I was sitting here talking and thinking about Lena and stuff. This is almost a film like this was, well, the Elsa and then the film that came back to this is her, her second one back. And she really does really good. And this is... I mean, I don't know if all the I should look into think about some of it, but in this, she's almost better than the film, and a yep. lot of times she's as equal to the film. Where, but this, I think her performance and how she carries herself, she raises this film with her being in it. If it was somebody else, it wouldn't be as good, you know. Yeah, no, she was really good. Yeah, I, I would really, I would say if you want to see Lena Romay as an actress and if she to see how she can act or how she does, this is a, this is a good film to, to watch, even though. The material, the other stuff isn't strong. Her performance is really good. Yeah, I really like Monica Swim in this also. Yeah, like uh, when she was playing drunk when she had the the lobster, like that was a good scene with her. Like she seemed drunk. Like she seemed really upset and drunk. And yeah, I thought she did really good in that. Really good in that. But yeah, no, that's that's one thing that's really funny. There's a lot of stuff in here that I was mentioning too. Like uh, Lena's like kind of like was led to believe one thing with uh, the couple of like the husband and then she wakes up and then uh, the doctor Antonio's like Jess is like oh I was afraid of you but now you made love to me and it gave me the fuck of the lifetime <laughs> and it's like now she's part of Jess's army and Jess's thing and she's like woke up to things you know um, but yeah no that's that's funny they mentioned that we, we talked about with her being drunk and, and playing yeah. those roles she does really good in that really where, good where she yeah. flips it and, and plays it and you could tell that it was almost like a sting, like it was all set up. And these are the steps you take. Almost like, um, oh, Jesus, what was that? And, um, oh, uh, Girls in Night Traffic, where you had the photographer and the lady, and they yeah. kind of like tricked the girls and poured the drink. And no, you only can drink it when you're done. It was like, yeah. And then the next girl, they did the same thing, too. It's like they had a certain routine to each person. Um, they had the first girl that you liked, uh, mm-hmm. Esther. Mosier, and they tricked her. They said, oh, we're going to take these pictures first, and they have that thing of champagne. They said, oh, you can only drink it afterwards. Yeah. It was like a setup. And then when um, Kali Hansa. Okay. Remember when Kali Hansa, uh, they were going to investigate why her friend disappeared, and then she hooked up with the couple. Yeah. And then they did the same thing. She wouldn't have the champagne. They said, oh, no, first you have to do this. We'll take pictures. And then they knocked her out in the same thing. So that's almost like this, where the couple had the same kind of game or same routine going. And it's a step they do all the time. So when Lena got in, it was supposed to be like a script that they're doing. And yeah. basically, like, she got drunk and was like, okay, enough of this shit. Like, yeah. Okay, you're really liking him. 
this is over, you know, and yeah. flipping and acting all weird and shit and stuff. So, but, so that, yeah, and that and it's it was cool too because like in that the seduction of Lena like with the husband, that's where that sailboat scene was in. Um, and for people, if if you haven't seen this movie, or if you have seen this movie, and just to remind you what the scene is, he does a full three hundred and sixty circular yeah uh, filming around this sailboat, just beautiful with the music and just the the water and the the reflection and the scenery and yeah that was all part of that scene yeah and as you're saying that now i was thinking too that's like which you haven't seen there's a movie that i did uh a review for um the other side of the mirror uh it was episode 21 um with colicini and we had um, done that And there's a lot of scenes with the sailboat out on the water and such and it's shot mm-hmm. very much like that which okay. i didn't think about that till just talk about this now but um but yeah you know i don't know um it's it's like I said, a very beautiful film. Uh, I liked the flashback sequences with the with the uh, smuggler couple the best. That sequence in the film. Um, in the introduction, I kind of go over the different actors and and uh, the guy that played Doctor Antonio on that. So I'll kind of uh, refer back to that for that part of it. But um, that's, I'm sorry, it just reminded me. Yeah, that, yeah. that one scene was super hot. That was right before it. Where it's uh, Monica Swim and Lena are standing in a doorway, and you can see their silhouettes and the, oh, yeah, the yeah. light blown out, and like Lena's just naked, and Monica's just wearing like a one, like almost like a like a long shirt type yeah. of thing, and all the, they smoke a joint, they smoke a joint, and then they start going at it, which is beautiful, and then and then her hair sticks to the side of the door, sticks out of the door, yeah. 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 But then uh, the husband just walks in between them nonchalantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, Goes, yeah. sits on the balcony, just playing his guitar. Yeah. While these two beautiful women are making love to each other on this porch in front of him. And he's, like, looking at the sky and, like, looking off just into his music. And it was really a cool scene. Like, I really dug that scene. Yeah, and that's what I was telling Eric. I said the guy didn't ruin it. He just he sort of tried to jump in and act stupid. He just kicked back, played his guitar, added to the ambiance, and he had his own personal view of what was going on and, yeah. and he led to the beauty and it was just adding to the moment not interfering with the moment and that's and actually that's almost like a good rule for like a Franco thing like that's what this film was like enjoy the moment and, and not and add to it don't try to ruin it you know yeah. so but um, yeah so I don't know maybe I'll use uh, something with that with the song at the end maybe moment <laughs> moment by moment or don't interfere with the moment I don't know I'll figure it out I don't know I uh, I had a gimmick there for about three episodes where I think the songs were kicking in, but I don't know. This one, nothing really struck me. So, but as I'm uh, going to do to record the introduction, I think I might uh, find my muse during that. So I'm not, I'm not stressing on it. And you know who has stellar avocados? Who's that? Um, Lena Rove? No, no, no. Those are, those are cantaloupes. Mm. Um, No, uh, Struder. Struder. No, Esther Studer. Yeah. Those are some stellar avocados. Yeah, she's coming up again in Women in Cell Block 9. Okay. And then that's the last film with Esther Studer. Because, um, yeah, I, I had uh, read that um, after that she kind of didn't want to do more Franco films. And we'll talk about all Yeah, actually, let me say that. It says, uh, on the commentary track for Jack the Ripper, Erwin Dietrich asserted that Esther Studer later disliked her Jess Franco films. Esther Studer is an actress from Basel. She was very talented. In time, she got tired of being shown naked again and again in my films. She went to court in Basel to stop the distribution of of those films. Of course, this is not possible because the films were sold worldwide. The judge agreed with me. It's like Hildegard Kiff, who is often asked about her early nude roles, and said, 
the shame persists, the money is gone. I felt sorry for Esther Studer. I like her a lot, and we got along very well. But in some degree, my movies are historical documents. They are part of my property and the public. And I have a right to see the films time and again. So, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a sad that she did, that she wanted to kind of distance herself from them. Because she is really good in these films. And yeah. so beautiful and really good actress. And she's very relaxed and... and very sure to herself and she plays a different character too in this than she did in Elsa where she was like the virgin scared and stuff and yeah. the way she acted was totally different and yeah I, I definitely like her and, and uh, it's interesting a lot of these actresses will act in like five or six films and then go on and do something else or whatever you know we'll see this a lot with Susan Hemingway and uh, Martine Steedle and, and you know so on and so forth but so yeah I don't know um, I'm just gonna kind of wrap this one up it's gonna be a shorter episode um, I don't know it's not one of my favorite films, but like I said before, with Love Camp and other stuff, you know, it's okay. It's yeah. I don't think it's bad. It's, it's not it's, his worst one. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, those are going to be later on. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's some that I know are not going to be good. Some of the later shot on video stuff. But hey, you know, that's the thing. Like I was talking with with um, Bob Moritz and stuff, and, and like we were talking about too with like Lou Rita and stuff. It's yeah. like. I don't want to be a snob with way something shoots because I'm the same way as I shoot and stuff. You know, something shouldn't have to look a certain way for it to be good. It can be low budget and use yeah. very minimal things and still be really good and stuff. So it's just the story and the acting is, is huge, you know, and, and I'm, I'm going to look past props and cinematography and, and equipment and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's, that's only fair, you know, mm-hmm. cause a lot of people can bash the later stuff, but you know, I'll be fair, and I won't hear a worship either. If it's bad, I'll tell you it's bad, or, or in my opinion, <laughs> it's bad, you know. But So I don't know. Um, like wrapping this up, uh, Eric gave it a so-so. I gave it a so-so. Um, like I said, there's some good acting in this, really good cinematography, uh, some really beautiful locations, which almost sounds like a broken record for a lot of these Franco films. Yeah, I know. know. Beautiful women, beautiful locations, beautiful nights. No. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, that's, that's usually what this boils down to, so. And you know, a couple of lessons like I learned, you know, add to the add to the ambiance, don't interfere with it, you know. Yep. Let the playing play out and don't don't put yourself in the middle of it, just add to it, you know. Because you're not the you're not the focus they are, you know. And also if you're gonna shoot windows that are supposed to be facing outside, but they're yeah. not actually, make sure that they're the same level of color. Yeah. Make sure one's not midnight and the other one's like Yeah, Eric noticed there's a scene where it's dark out and like the right window was like really dark outside and the window to the left was like a couple hours earlier in darkness. So yeah, it just <laughs> wasn't a full shot. And of course they do the, uh, you know, blue walls outside the side the windows make it look like it's a sky and it's not. So yeah. I don't know. They just put curtains up and call it a day. But <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. Wicked women. We, women, not woman. I keep wanting to call it wicked woman. Uh, the women without innocence. Satiable knights of a nymphomaniac. Shameless women. House of nymphomaniacs. Uh, women without innocence. Yeah, so I don't know. Typical Dietrich. Really pretty to look at. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. Good acting. The more you think about it, the more you'll probably want to watch it again. I you know. I'm kind of thinking back to some scenes I like yeah. about it, you know, so it's not totally bad. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Kind of flat ending, but, hey, what that's how this film was. <laughs> I had a flat ending, so. One thing I will say is if, if you guys are Franco Franco fans, 
Um, these books from Stephen Thrower are must-haves. They're so beautiful. Like it's they're so beautiful. The the scenes taken from the movies. Um, his descriptions, you know, he he, did, he put a lot of work into it, and yeah. they're really beautiful books. So I really highly recommend them. Well, it's so cool too because like he's 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 done so many books, the Nightmare USA stuff, and and this stuff, and 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 he's done so much that it's cool because I'll like check these daily on Amazon, and like some days they're available, some days they're out of print. Like today, it's out of print again. Oh wow! Some days it's thirty bucks, some days it's fifty five bucks for the first one, and then it's gone for a couple of days, and it'll come back in for a couple of days and it disappears. So. I think they're doing really well. They're selling. Yeah. And they're changing their stock, so it looks like they're moving. So. That's good. That's yeah, really yeah. Good. So that's that's always good. Um, well, let me give you the outro on all this. Uh, you can get a hold of us at the Franco. Um, I'm sorry, at Franco Observer at yahoo.com. Um, and you can please download the episode. Uh, increases the numbers, and audience, of course. Uh, rate and share and subscribe, of course. Um, Let's see. You can get a hold of us, too, at the Facebook uh, Franco Observer podcast page or at Instagram, Franco Observer podcast page. What are you looking for, Eric? This. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Eric. Shout-outs. I want to give a shout-out to three listeners who have got a hold of me this past week and uh, want to tell them thank you for listening. Uh, Mr. Paul Mintern. a mailman from Ohio, USA mail carrier. Thank you, Paul. We it, appreciate you. Yeah, all you that have uh, Blu-rays and DVDs, if you live in Ohio or anything, he's probably handled your package. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, also we have uh, Sean Joyce. Who, hey, Sean. Sean listens to our show when he commutes, and uh, same with Paul. It's it's a good uh, thing to listen to as you walk around. And last but certainly not least, Mr. James McCarthy who uh, was talking to me about uh, Lucky the Inscrutable and uh, writes quite a few and uh, correspond with him. So thanks, all three of you. Yeah, for, thank you, James. Thank, thank you, you James McCarthy. And, uh, yeah, so this is very, very cool. Um, thank you, for everybody that's listening. Uh, also, to update, uh, number one, leading the count is the United States listeners. Number two, the mighty United Kingdom. Number three is Germany. Number four is Sweden. Number five is Norway. So thank you. Those are the top five out of 25, uh, 23 countries now that listen to us. So, so awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, like Germany, for instance, we have like 55 downloads just right out of Germany. So that's awesome. Makes me happy. Yeah, so, so cool. Yeah, it's cool to have a worldwide audience. So thank you all for listening. And uh, I will continue to give it all I have and put out these out weekly. So keep listening we'll keep producing so thanks you all and i do appreciate you all for checking us out and be seeing you beautiful nights Bye.